Hi guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is your host, Renda, and I have such a wonderful guest today. Um, I'm really excited about this episode because, as we all know, um, wellness, health, and even anti-aging is a very holistic topic. You know, when we talk about it, we don't often get to um, hit all of the benchmarks. And I really, I'm, I'm very passionate about that. And I think our guest today is, you know, going to talk to us about a lot of things that we don't get to really speak on or learn about. Um, and so I'm really excited. And without further ado, I would love to introduce you guys to Dr. Victoria Weitzman. She is um, truly a leader in all things dental care. Um, she is, you know, top of the top of the class when it comes to her profession and I'm really excited to learn from her about um everything we need to know about you know just taking care of taking care of ourselves from this angle and I am so excited so welcome to the show Dr. Weitzman I'm so excited to be hosting you thank you so much so nice to be here thank you yeah, no, I'm really excited because I know that you're truly a rock star in your field. And I, um, you know, I can't wait to dive into all these questions I have for you, but I would love to learn about your background. And um, I know you have a very impressive, you know, um, you know, just like background. So I would love to learn about your career and everything that led up to you going into, um, you know, becoming a dentist and going into that field. So if you could share that with us, I'd, uh, you know, it'd be a great starting place. Yeah, definitely. So I, well, first of all, I was born and raised in New York and I always wanted to be in the medical field. I, you know, also went to art school growing up and dentistry just seemed like the perfect blend of art and science. So I went to NYU dental school. And um, after that, I did a residency at one of the Columbia hospitals. Then when I realized that I wanted to go into cosmetic dentistry, I started taking a bunch of courses kind of all over the country, just kind of trying to learn from the best. And that's how my practice eventually evolved into a cosmetic practice. I do exclusively cosmetic dentistry now. We don't do any general work. And what that means is we do smile makeovers. We do full, full mouth reconstructions. Um, so so the, the purpose of kind of what we do is to kind of rebuild confidence, um, restore people to health, um, have them feel like they're confident with their smile. I love that. I love that. And I know you've, uh, you were, I think, the youngest to graduate from your class, right? I, I was reading about that. I mean, you're really a, you know, a leader. And I'm so excited to talk to you because I think cosmetic dentistry is such a, is such a great area for so many. You know, I think that when we often need like work done, like we hear about it, you know, like big, big time on social media, if there's like huge makeovers, you know, with people and their smiles and, and whatever, but we don't really get to hear about it from like a general consumer perspective. And so I would love to talk to you about you know, all of the details about, you know, what that really entails for us, like, and you know, some things that we should be taking, you know, into consideration on an everyday basis. But um, before we do that, I would love to um, hear about what your take is, you know, in terms of wellness and overall, just health, right, when it comes to just our dental health, and how we should be like approaching it, you know, and what you've noticed, I guess, in the industry thus far, you know, in terms of what you've seen people do, or, or that you notice a lot, you know, yeah, great question. Well, I always say that the mouth is really the gateway to overall health and beauty. A lot of times, very often, the mouth is overlooked, almost seen as like a separate part of the body when it's like really so intricately connected to overall systemic health. Oftentimes, a lot of things um, that show up in the mouth are keys and signs that something else might be happening, for instance, inflammation 
or other, you know, imbalances can show up in the mouth first of all places. It's sort of an inside view into what's happening internally. Um, and then conversely too, things happening in your body, you know, show up in your mouth, but things that happen in your mouth affect what's happening to you systemically. So there's a huge link between, you know, oral health and cardiovascular health, between oral health and brain health, which I think oftentimes is not talked about. So really in a nutshell, you know, the mouth is such a huge part of overall health. And I think, you know, being proactive with your oral health is super important. You know, obviously a good oral care regimen at home, brushing, flossing and all that, but visiting your dentist regularly. And I think a lot of times, especially since COVID, people may have skimped a little bit on that, but everyone's sort of what I've seen coming back and getting into a more regular routine now. Yeah, no, that's a really great point that you made about the the, the tie-in with, you know, just the axis, you know, the, the people always talk about like, there's this like skin to brain axis, but I love what you said, you know, like your oral hygiene is huge with like brain health, you know, and I, I really want to learn about that. I would actually like to start that conversation by talking about this idea of like anti-aging, you know, and like how that ties in with everything that you've kind of prefaced here with the, you know, with oral health. So if you could kind of guide us in that direction, that'd be great to learn about the anti-aging benefits of taking care of your mouth. Definitely. So as I always say, the mouth is really one of the first places where signs of aging show up. And what we do in our practice with anti-aging dentistry is try to restore people to, you know, optimal health. And by doing that, you're naturally just taking 10 to 15 years off of a smile. We see things like chipping and staining, where we lose volume in the lower third of the face, we lose volume in the teeth. These are all signs of aging. So once we restore that and bring people back to their the original healthy state of their teeth, naturally, they're just going to look younger and feel better. You know, oftentimes, uh, we talk about skincare and things like that when it comes to anti-aging. But again, smile is, is really the first place that aging shows up. It makes so much sense because honestly, I don't know if anyone else listening is like this, but I always notice a person's smile first. Like I, my eyes go directly there first. And I know it's different for everybody, but you're so right in everything you said, like just from, you know, from my perspective, you know, I'm, I'm not a professional in the field, but I, even for me, it's like, you can tell, you know, if you're really taking care of yourself, I mean, that's just something that comes with it. So um, I guess, you know, my, my question is you had mentioned like this, idea of like, you know, the jaw area. And I know we hear this a lot, right? In skincare, like you said, we hear a lot about, you know, sagging or like, you know, under chin or like neck skin, you know, that kind of stuff. But we don't really hear about it from the perspective of like the whole, you know, oral region and how that contributes to how you look overall. So what are some cases you've seen or some examples that you've come across where it's made a huge difference? You know, like some, I guess you could give us like exact um, things, you know, like whether it's like a pathology or whatever that you might have come across. So I see these cases all the time. Every day we encounter anti-aging cases. You know, uh, we have patients that have ground their teeth down through bruxism or um, went through some sort of, let's say, treatment for a disease or beat bulimia or just went through chemotherapy. And oftentimes the smile and the teeth are one of the first areas that are compromised. I mean, it's, it's a sensitive area and it's also the most used area of the body. So, you know, that is that takes the, the brunt of the force a lot of times when people go through things like that. So 
you know, also trauma we've seen um, that, that affects the mouth, car accidents. And we've restored these people to health by just rebuilding their teeth with porcelain restorations, um, rebuilding any volume that's been lost and, you know, kind of creating that beautiful smile. A side effect of that is just a healthier smile as well. That's interesting. I, I mean, yeah, like, I feel like that's something that we don't really talk about. I know with like a lot of people, we don't um, really uh, recognize when we're, for example, like grinding our teeth at night or, you know, just little things that we do day to day. So like, I guess my question is really, you know, I know there's the extreme cases where you, you mentioned, like, for example, like bulimia, but like, what is something you see people doing on the regular that we could be more mindful of when it comes to this, you know, um, overall process that you just described? I would say, you know, be more mindful of proper oral hygiene. If you grind your teeth, wear a night guard, be really proactive with your oral health and, and the care of your mouth, you know, do things like stay hydrated, use a water pick, just pay really close attention. I think being proactive can really prevent a lot of, um, a lot of these issues moving forward. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I know I see a lot of things like on social media, like there's a lot of companies that have popped up, you know what I mean, when it comes to like, correcting your smile or wear this at night, you know, but I guess, you know, my, I'm always a little hesitant with that, because I I would rather go to a professional, you know, rather than just assume I know what I'm doing. And I, I want you to kind of talk about that. You know, I know there's a lot of companies right now that are, for example, you know, they'll, kind of advertised, Hey, you want to, do you want to correct your smile? You know, do you want to fix your teeth without going to a dentist? Um, these kind of things. And I like, as a consumer, I won't lie. When I see that, I'm always like huge cringe mode. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, no, please just go to a dentist because that's like a whole different level. So, I mean, if you were to really kind of give your two cents on that, like what would be your take on that? You know, what should consumers really be understanding when it comes to something like that versus like going to a professional such as yourself, you know, and why we should be doing the latter or should we be doing the latter? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think when it comes to, you know, dental care and doing anything for your smile, I would say leave it to the professionals. I'm not a huge fan of these do-it-yourself-at-home systems. So I agree with you. I think going in, seeing a professional, leave it to the dentist um, is the best route. Yeah. And I, I guess like to ask you, like, you know, what are some complications that could occur? Like if we were to, you know, take, cause I know like, for example, like we talk about skincare a lot here, you know, on the show. And I know very early on, like something like microneedling came up. Right. And it was very similar to this question because it was like, well, there's so many at home devices now that people are like diving into, but like, maybe if you could tell us like some of the complications that could result, you know, if you just don't do that. You know, you don't go to a professional for your dental, you know, care, like uh, some things that maybe you've seen, you know, people come in with that because they've been doing it at home and not really consulting a professional. Yeah. A lot of times things that you do for your teeth are irreversible. You only, you know, enamel doesn't grow back. So you really want to be sure you're, um, you know, going to a professional for this, even the at home orthodontic trays too, where you do it yourself and are not monitored by a dentist yeah, um, as well, because it could be very difficult to correct a situation that has gone wrong. You know, you want to make sure a dentist is monitoring your progress, making sure you're progressing well, because um, reversing issues is, is a sometimes a little bit more challenging. So it definitely makes sense to kind of take that extra step and put it in the hands of someone who's done this before. 
I love that you said that, though. I love that you mentioned that it is irreversible. You know what I mean? Because I think a lot of times consumers think that, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to play around and see how it goes. But it's like sometimes, like, I think, like, as healthcare professionals, like, it's important to push this idea of, like, hey, guys, you know, you can't just mess around and then expect it your body to just rebound. You know what I mean? All of a sudden. Like, sometimes the damage you do is irreversible. And so on that note, like, you know, I think one of the big questions I have is, like, I see a lot of people getting stuff like veneers. You know, you had mentioned, like, you are in the cosmetic dentistry space. So, like, with veneers, you know, who would you recommend veneers to? Like, the ideal client? Or is there an ideal client? So veneers are my primary procedure. I focus exclusively on cosmetic dentistry and in terms of who is a candidate for veneer. So it really runs the gamut of someone who just wants an aesthetic improvement, already has a nice smile, but may want to take their smile to the next level. That's side of the coin. And then we have, you know, patients that have significant issues, you know, it could be health related, it could be uh, cavities, uh, it could be that they need uh, reconstruction work, it could be that they have a lot of old restorations that need to be revamped and um, replaced. So that's something that I would call like, like full mouth reconstruction. So people come in with varying needs. There is no one cookie cutter solution. While veneers are good for a lot of people, they're not great for everyone. Um, there's potential that A, maybe they can get away without veneers and do something less invasive or B, maybe they need something more than veneers like crowns or bridges or or things like that. So it's really a matter of planning a case out comprehensively. Um, there is no cookie cutter treatment plan. Every treatment plan is bespoke. It's tailor-made to the patient uh, to achieve their ideal result aesthetically, functionally, and from a health perspective. That's interesting. Yeah, because I've seen, I mean, I, I asked you about veneers because I feel like I see that the most, you know what I mean? Like in terms of just procedures people get done. But like, I guess my question really is like, where is that turning point, you know, as we're aging, where you see a lot of, a lot more of your, you know, patients coming in for that, um, that cosmetic level treatment, you know, where you see like, okay, based on like age criteria, for example, like, I mean, if you could kind of pin it down, um, when people are like more, you know what I mean? Like when they make that turn and they're like, wait a minute, I need to go to a professional and like really get some work done. So sorry, are you asking at what age that happens? Yeah, like like an average age that you see people like really shifting into this, you know what I mean? Like this idea that I need to go and actually get, you know, do something about my my oral health, you know, and or get changes done or whatever that might be. I mean, yeah. is there is there like an average age? Yeah. Actually, that's a good question. There really is no average age when someone should start considering veneers. Everything is you know, dependent on what the patient presents with. I mean, when we talk about anti-aging dentistry, we see patients, honestly, from 20 to over 70. So age really, in my eyes, is just a number when it comes to evaluating a patient. You know, we sometimes have patients in their 50s and 60s that have been lucky and have taken really great care of their smile and their smile looks like they're in their 30s. And then we have the opposite situation as well. So when a patient comes in, we're really not looking at the number. We're really not looking at age when formulating a treatment plan. We're looking at, you know, what is this patient presenting with? What are their goals? And what is the ideal treatment for this patient? Interesting. So I guess my question is like from, you know, I can actually say like, for example, my parents have amazing teeth and they like did not do anything crazy. You know what I mean? Like they just were blessed with beautiful teeth, I think. And I, I'm not like them, you know, like for me growing up, like 
Um, I always had crowding in my bottom teeth. You know what I mean? So like I always used to look at my parents and I wonder, I'm like, is it genetic? You know what I mean? Like our oral health, like, is there a genetic component here? And I mean, I would love to get your feedback on that. Like, have you noticed that there is or isn't like a genetic component here? I think, like good <laughs> I think the state of someone's smile and mouth is multifactorial. Um, I think it, yes, you're right. There is definitely genetics. There's also lifestyle and, um, you know, the way you take care of your teeth, you know, it's um, environment as well, uh, many different factors, diet, self-care, all of those things. So, there's definitely a multifactorial component when it comes to your smile. You know, I would say genetics do play a big role, but I'm a big believer in something called, you know, epigenetics, where we have control over our genes, depending on how well we take care of ourselves, what environment we put ourselves in, the things we put in our body, um, all of that. So while genetics do play a big role in this, I do believe we have a significant amount of control when it comes to the state of our health, state of our mouth. And I don't mean that just with dentistry. I mean that across the board. I think that we're given a certain set of genes that we have to work with within certain parameters, but there's a very wide range there with how they can manifest and express themselves. I like that. I mean, that it makes sense though. You know, it really makes sense because I've seen some people that have gorgeous teeth you know what I mean when they're teenagers but then you just wonder like what happened over time and I think like that really leads me to this it is about the lifestyle that I, I will have questions about because with with oral health obviously like we have to learn I think certain things that we should know as people just like average you know individuals and I think one of the big things for me is like foods so like could you give us some like advice about like what kind of foods should we be eating like does it matter I know I've heard before like don't drink too much coffee because it'll stay in your teeth it can also erode away at the enamel but like from your experience like is there like a group of foods that you recommend for just everybody to be more you know concentrating on for overall health yeah, that's a really good question. I look at health holistically. So I always say whatever is good for your body overall will be good for your oral health. Um, I, I'm a huge believer and a huge um, advocate of a healthy lifestyle, including diet, and just overall taking good care of yourself. So foods that one would consider healthy, that are nutrient dense, um, hydration is really important. So I would stay away from anything that could cause overall inflammation in your body, like sugars, be careful with alcohol and things like that. Anything that's going to cause inflammation in your body is going to cause inflammation in your mouth that affects gum disease, um, the condition of the periodontal tissue. So I really want to hone in on the interconnectedness of the body and the oral cavity and the mouth. Um, so like I said, Anything that's good for your body will be good for your oral health. And anything that's going to cause generalized inflammation in your body is going to ultimately do that in your mouth as well. And you're going to see that manifest as gingivitis, periodontitis. So my recommendations are nutrient-dense foods for sure. Um, you know, teeth and gum tissue and bone need nutrients as well. Um, stay hydrated, careful with... Um, keeping the pH of your mouth balanced. So, you know, the coffee can be acidic. Um, wines can be acidic and it's fine because they do have health benefits, but I would definitely like rinse with water after. So just be mindful of overall 
overall health. You know, I, I take a holistic approach to that. I like that. No, that makes sense. And I think, um, you know, it's it's interesting because I feel like there's like certain cultures have this like built in, you know, almost like everything you mentioned here, like, for example, like rinsing of the mouth, like it's in certain cultures, I see it like, you know, um, in different countries, they have like, it's just part of their routine, you know, like every time they eat, they rinse their mouth out or, you know, every time they're about to eat, they'll rinse their mouth before they eat. Like, and I find that to be so interesting because I think Western society is so different and it really does probably add to it. I mean, if I'm guessing, you know, just like with any other health area or concern, you know, your lifestyle, like you said, you know, it definitely um, either aids or takes away from whatever pathology you're experiencing. But I think for me, like a big question I do have, you know, for example, with skin health, the big ugly monster is like melanoma, right? And we always learn about melanoma and how to avoid skin cancers in general. But with with dental care and dental health, like I always think of like gum disease, you know, because I remember even being younger, going to the dentist, the biggest thing they were focused on was you never want to have a situation where you're experiencing the signs of true, like, you know, gum disease or anything that's related to the gum. So if you were to give like, you know, advice, like what are some things that we should look for, you know, or like early signs, early symptoms of such pathologies and how can we really kind of, you know, go around that, you know, and not have that. So when we talk about um, things in your mouth, diseases, pathology, like gingivitis that you mentioned, periodontitis, signs and symptoms that we look for are inflammation, redness, bleeding, halitosis, and the best way to prevent those things are really, you know, taking the best care of your oral health. Um, my recommendation too is, you know, one of these dental secrets that people don't really talk about is, you know, oral probiotics. I think there's a real place for that. Everyone's talking about the gut microbiome, but I think that, um, you know, the root of no pun intended, but the root of some ginger, you know, gingivitis and periodontitis and gingival inflammation is a bacterial imbalance. And um, taking oral probiotics could be helpful there. Also something I didn't mention in the last one when we were talking about, you know, things to eat and not to eat, but, you know, taking a good supplement and overall supplement too could be helpful. But when it comes to pathology, I would say, yes, just taking good overall care of your oral health and checking in with your dentist regularly because we do head and neck exams to check for the beginning stages of things like cancers or growths. So these things can happen in your mouth as well. So you want to be super vigilant about that. And then if you see anything that, you know, is a little suspicious or stands out as different, definitely mention it to your dentist so they can take a look. That's interesting. And why is it that when, like, I, for me, whenever I go to a dentist, they're always like, like their hallmark, I feel like, or so it seems is like gum bleeding. You know what I mean? Like they're always looking for that at my normal checkup. Like, why is that? Like, is that just like the way to check for gum disease or is it just something that you know, it's just like the go-to or, I mean, how does that work? Because they always do it, you know, every time you go for a check-in. Bleeding is actually one of the first signs of inflammation. So mm -hmm. it really gives us an idea of what's happening in the gum tissue, in the mouth, and ultimately really in the body. You know, uh, gum inflammation can be a sign of overall inflammation as well. It's not always just localized. So it's a really important um kind of tool. It's a really important sign, a giveaway that we need to take a closer look and make sure you're, you know, getting your regular cleanings and uh, paying closer attention to your oral hygiene. 
That's interesting. And I think one of like, I think with that in mind, like, you know, a question I do have, and I think this is a misconception because I know with my friends, I've heard them say this and I'm just like, guys, it's so wrong because I don't think of it like that is that they, people often associate like cosmetic dentistry with like, you know, these extreme procedures, you know, but like, I mean, do you agree with that? Or do you think that there's, I mean, like, what are some like lighter procedures that you've seen? Or I, I guess every procedure has risks, right? But like on the lighter end of the spectrum, you know, um, that you've seen people come in for regularly or something that we could even consider, you know, as we're aging and things that we might not even know about, you know? Sorry. So, so, so your question is what? Like, what are some like lighter and procedures? You know, like I know like there's veneers and there's yeah. stuff that we could, you know, yeah. So cosmetic dentistry, you know, has a wide range of things that we could do. Obviously, the, the most impactful one, the one that's going to make the most difference, um, the one that probably requires a, a bit more work is the porcelain veneers. Um, something on the other end of the spectrum would be, say, like a lightening, maybe some light bonding. And these are things that can really have, you know, not dramatic improvements, but certainly, you know, kind of just like a little touch up, elevate your smile a little bit. It really depends on what, what it is that the patient's looking for. It isn't always this huge dramatic smile makeover with a full mouth of veneers. There are often times where we can just do a whitening, a little bit of bonding, maybe some a couple of months of Invisalign and get that patient to a smile that they're happy with. That makes sense. So like, what about like, what, what is your opinion on like uh, at home whitening kits? Should we be using them or just kind of stay away? I think at home whitening kits are great for maintenance. I think, um, you know, they're good at keeping teeth white after an in-office professional whitening. Um, you can get a couple of shades lighter from the from the get-go, you know, but I would say there really isn't an admin system that can get you as white as a professional whitening system that you would do in your dental office. That's interesting. Yeah, I've always heard of like skin sensitive or not skin, sorry, teeth sensitivity when it comes to these kits. That's why I asked you because I know there's a lot of like, you know, um, like I don't know, there was a buzz around it for a couple of years ago about how certain strips might cause more sensitivity than others. And I'm just like curious, you know, what what really causes that compared to like, you know, going in for an actual whitening treatment? So, um, so let me start from the beginning. Okay, so one in 10 patients that have an in-office whitening procedure may have sensitivity. And this yeah. is for in-office procedures. That sensitivity comes from the dehydration of the teeth because hydrogen peroxide placed on the teeth tends to draw water out of the teeth. That's what causes the temporary um, sensitivity. Once the teeth rehydrate, that sensitivity should subside. Now with at-home treatments, you know, the, the uh, concentration of hydrogen peroxide is actually lower. However, the soft tissue and the gums are not covered up. So, so they're exposed to this hydrogen peroxide and now the peroxide has a chance to leak under the gum tissue a little bit. So that could be where some of the sensitivity is coming from. There are things that people can do if they have sensitive teeth and want to get a brighter smile in terms of, you know, kind of, um, helping with that sensitivity. And one of them is using a fluoride toothpaste. Fluoride tends to help with sensitivity. Uh, taking an anti-inflammatory tube can help as well. We often have our patients do that before in-office whitening procedures. That's interesting. No, I mean, I didn't know that about the hydrogen peroxide. That's really, really interesting. I mean, I know that like there was like, you know, 
like rumors about like your thinning your enamel and all this stuff. But that's really interesting to learn. I didn't know that. Um, but I guess that's good to keep in mind, you know? So if you, I mean, I guess then my question is like, would you recommend any products, you know, for at home use that you like particularly really like, or that you recommend to your patients? Um, you know, Philips zoom has several products like at home whitening pens that you could use. And their system is actually the one that I use in my office. for So those are, those are the two that I would recommend. Awesome. Well, I'm going to have to look those up because I, <laughs> I haven't tried them. So I'm definitely going to try them out, but um, yeah, no, I, I'm always looking for recommendations because we don't get them. You know, that's the problem I feel like. And, you know, um, with the industry, the wellness industry is we don't learn enough about dental care and sure. hygiene and wellness. You know what I mean? Like we don't know as consumers. And so a lot of times we're investing in these brands that are just these giant brands. Right. And we don't know, like, for example, you had mentioned the hydrogen peroxide and I was so like, just, I was listening to you. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had no idea because we don't get that education, you know? And so I think one of my biggest questions really is about this education aspect, you know, for general consumers. Like, what are some things that we should be learning about before we go and buy products, you know, and and go and invest in these, like, you know, kits or whatever it might be for us? Like, what would you recommend to us? Like, if we came into your clinic and asked for that, you know, what should we, we be doing to educate ourselves, you know, and where can we find this information? Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's definitely a gap in the market around education, oral care, oral care products. Oftentimes, we don't know what we're putting in our mouth. And um, there is not as much education around dental care, dental products, dental brands as there is around, say, skincare, right? Yeah. Skincare yeah. is like, you know, this is a skincare podcast, and there's so much education around skin. Dermatologists do a great job at educating patients, but I definitely think there's a real gap in the market. There's a real white space in oral care where, you know, patients may not be as educated in knowing what is good for my mouth, you know, how can I improve the, not just the aesthetics of my smile, but also the health of my smile. So a way to get more educated is you know, research ingredients, make sure they're non-toxic, see what types of peroxides are in, you know, the, the products you're getting, see what the brand philosophy is, see who's backing this um, company. What, what has the research and development been? Um, you know, is it dentist backed? It has it gone through a research and development facility or is it just influencer backed? You know, so these are all important considerations, not for teeth, just for teeth, but really, you know, for, for any brand, I think. Yeah, no, that's solid. I, I agree with you. I think that's, yeah, we should definitely be doing our homework. And you're right, there's a huge white space. I mean, with the education stuff, like I, I'm always blown away because it's like we all brush our teeth every day. You know what I mean? We're always going through these every day. It's a part of our your everyday routine. So for us to not have enough resources, I mean, it just boggles my mind. But I think that's that's solid advice. And I, I'm so glad that, you know, there's professionals out there like yourself that are, you know, advocating for this because we need that. We need more education. We need more like sound advice. And I think with that, I really want to ask you like, kind of like a round out question about, you know, for just everyday wellness, right? Like dental hygiene, like what is a routine you recommend to all of us, you know, whether that's brushing our teeth or whatnot, but something you would recommend to everybody um, to really like, you know, reevaluate or do on a daily basis. So for a good oral care routine, I always recommend getting a good sonic toothbrush. I think that's really important. I think there's so much more that 
A sonic toothbrush can do than a manual toothbrush. We're talking about at least 20,000 repetitions a minute. So that's definitely, we're getting at least 99% of the plaque off. It has whitening effects. So definitely number one is a sonic toothbrush. Number two would be flossing. Um, you know, one of my favorites is for instance, uh, reach floss. That's a great one as well. And uh, a water pick, I mean, a water flosser that also kind of gets in between the teeth and gets a lot of the plaque out. So that's the second thing. The third thing would be a, a tongue scraper. People don't realize that so much of the bacteria in your mouth lives on the tongue. And it's really important to target that. And then, you know, the fourth thing that I would say is, you know, an oral probiotic. I think it's really important to keep the bacterial uh, profile of your mouth in check the same way we do for our gut microbiome. I mean, the mouth really is the gateway to overall health and beauty. I love that. And I like that you mentioned the probiotic. I mean, are, are, do you have any recommendations that we could look into for that? Um, you know, there, there are several on the market that you can look up and see, uh, depending on what, what the needs are. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot out there basically. So I guess we just do our homework a little bit and find what fits us best and yeah, makes sense. Well, thank Dr. Ryan. Thank you so much for this. This has been so lovely to learn about this because again, you know, we don't get to learn about dental care and I, um, I'm such a, I'm such a fan of you coming on the show and telling us all about it. I'd love to have you back and do a series really, because we need to learn more, you know? So, uh, for everyone listening out there, I hope you guys learned, you know, something in this episode and I'd love to hear from you as well. If you have any questions, questions for Dr. Dr. Reisman, please, uh, leave them in our, you know, in our email and comment thread, whatever, but we will get them to her team and get your questions answered. But I really recommend that, you know, you take her advice and, and really take it to heart because we really need to learn. But I want to ask you before we go, Dr. Reisman, about some career advice. Cause I know, you know, as you know, the medical profession, like in general, very difficult, right? I mean, going through it, getting into it. So for all the aspiring dentists out there, if there are any in the audience, like if you could share some advice, you know, about getting into dental school or going in this route. So if I were to share any advice for future dentists, future doctors, future entrepreneurs, um, especially females, um, I would say have a grander vision of your life. Think bigger than what you're thinking. You're probably, whatever you're thinking, you probably haven't even realized your own fullest potential. Um, you know, take that, roll with it, have the confidence to proceed. Um, I would say think outside the box for sure. And, um, you know, perseverance. I mean, there have been so many times where I thought, all right, I'm not sure how how many how much longer I'm going to to do this, but it's just picking yourself up and moving forward and using that bit grander vision of your life as sort of a north star and moving closer and closer and closer to that. I love that. That's such good advice. I I, I think professionals need to hear that more. You know, like young professionals because I remember like I love that you brought up being a woman because I remember like when I was going into like medicine I was like where are all the women you know for mentorship. So I hear you. I mean that's really really solid advice and I hope everyone listening out there if you are considering a track definitely take that to heart because it's so true everything you said. Um but thank you so much. This has been absolutely lovely and I and I hope that everyone listening learned something because you know you can never be too, you know, proactive when it comes to your health and, and dental hygiene, dental care is so central to that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you.